Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah. Touch turn from Kane. Oh, it's on his way. Del Sock. Oh, and it's deflected in. Break his arm for Spurs here, left by Lo Celso. Lucas Moura to the left. All forward for Jose Mourinho. One of whom is Harry Kane, who puts it away. Well, that is Harry Kane at his absolute best. The running power's back, and the finishing's there with it always. What a finish. What a goal. Makes Leicester City suffer yet again. They're under pressure again. It's three against three with Lucas Moura, the ball carrier. Kane making an angle. Bennett's got it in his sights. Kane has a shot, and that's wow. not enough from Ryan Bennett because Harry Kane has produced an absolute beauty. He cannot allow Harry Kane back on his right foot. Whatever you do, do not allow him back there. Because once you do, when he's in this form, it's a goal magnificence. Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We're back for instant reaction to yet another Tottenham Hotspur win at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Jose Mourinho starting to turn our home into a fortress and we are back here to provide you with all the reaction to that game and the win against Leicester City and of course looking ahead to our final game of the season against Crystal Palace. But... Let me introduce the panel talking us through the next hour and a bit of Tottenham. Delighted to have back alongside me one of our regulars in Jamie from the Daily Hotspur. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Ricky. I hope all the listeners are doing well. And of course, a really exciting game to review, a massive result. So yeah, yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, very much so. Decent performance from Tottenham and yet another win. Can't really ask for much more than that at the moment in terms of the results. Style, we'll definitely come on to that into the show. And talking about style, pleased to also have back on this show, we've got James Dickens with us. James, how are you? I'm really well, really glad to be back on the show. Thanks for having me, Ricky. And uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into this style versus points debate. <laughs> It's going to be an interesting hour in store. Listen, we're pleased to have you back on the show with us, James. And finally, 
Last but certainly not least, we're delighted to welcome back onto the last word on Spurs. I think he's definitely been on at least once this season, so pleased to have him back on. We've got Richard Whitehead, MBE. Richard, how are you, my friend? Yes, buddy. I can't believe you didn't introduce me in, in, in having any style. I'm gutted. <laughs> definitely <laughs> some style. I'll tell you why, Rich, because I know James is going to be talking about the style of Jose Mourinho. And I was wondering where in the fence is Rich going to be on this? So I thought, you know, I'll leave it plain and just bring Rich in as MBE. It's not still bad, is it? No, no, no. <laughs> Please have you back on, Rich. Delighted to have you back yeah. on the last word on Spurs. Well, let's get straight into it then. And Joe, I'll start with you, Rich, because it was a big and impressive win for Spurs, who move into sixth to leave them just one foot in next season's Europa League. For perhaps the first time, it really felt like the players were embracing and were comfortable with Mourinho's plan in what was a ruthless first half from Tottenham. How did you see the game against Leicester City? Yeah, works really well in partnerships, especially down the wings and um, lots of energy, uh, like from the last couple of games, to be honest. Um, Enjoyment-wise, not really not really sure, especially with the uh, possession, but um, obviously being from the East Midlands, uh, smashing Leicester, and uh, tomorrow the track at Loughborough University is going to be sweeter because there's a lot of Leicester City fans there. So to be able to come away with a three points and a very convincing win uh, is very sweet. Indeed. I think that's at the moment, you know, in terms of style, and we're going to come on to that, results, I think you can't argue that the results recently have been impressive since the return of football for Spurs in the Premier League. Let's come round to you, Jamie, because Spurs... We made it four Premier League wins in a row for the first time since January 2019 as we close in on a European qualification. It was a really impressive win. Mm. Who knows what's going to happen in terms of, you know, if Spurs secures Europe with all the permutations that we've got in terms of the FA Cup outcomes. But at least Spurs, we're trying, Jamie, to look after our own business. Obviously, the way this season has gone, I think one of the things we just wanted to do is start to get results and... You know, I think it's really impressive the way that Jose Mourinho has found a way of starting to get results. I think that, you know, we needed to somehow come and salvage something. And it was very difficult to see how we do that because it just looked like he had a group of players who weren't particularly interested um, in being at Spurs anymore. Um, but he's really managed to galvanise them. And that's something that has been really impressive. And as you pointed out, all the players are seem to now buy into kind of his way of playing. Um, it was, you know, it was at times there was... You know, I think we showed in flashes that of, of what we're trying to do. I think there was some really impressive counter attacks. Um, you know, that, and Harry Kane, of course, absolutely fantastic. Um, but there was obviously moments where it was kind of difficult to watch. Um, you know, I think one thing I was I was saying is it was it was very nerve wracking at times because we we allowed them to come onto us so much, and and that, and that was very difficult to watch. Um, but, you know, it's a big three points and, uh, yeah, we're, we're really in contention now to, to get in our place in Europe. James, coming around to you, Jamie speaks there in terms of, you know, finding it hard to watch when a team imposes themselves on us. And at one point after we went 1-0 up, uh, the possession stats were 28% to Tottenham, 72 to Leicester. But, you know, a performance like that, if I'm being honest with you, it seems utterly inconceivable just eight days ago. The North London derby really did seem to be the turning point for this Spurs side. And it's been a lot of... Excellent, I think, displays, including from players who have divided opinion, the likes of Lucas, the likes of Davis. But there does seem to be, James, real cause for optimism all of a sudden. Four wins in a row at the new stadium for the first time. How are you reflecting on that win against Leicester City, in your opinion? First of all, it's a great win. Um, and I think you can see you can see every week that they're starting to string more and more of these, these patches of good player getting longer and longer. The last match there was maybe 20 minutes. 
this match was probably a, a half in total that I think there was some actually some nice football. Um, I just, it was still, maybe I'm overdoing it there a little bit. I, it was, I, I just find it's difficult to, I think if you, if you get Jose Mourinho in, you're, this is what you get. I mean, I, I don't think any of us are surprised. What we were worried about was not getting the winning either. So you'll get, we're getting the winning. The football's not great. All the play, but you know, I, I'm not a fan of Lucas Moura. Obviously, I mean, he's given most of us the best night of our footballing lives. But outside of that, he's been generally poor. He's been outstanding in the last two games. I didn't even think he had that sort of performance in him. Ben Davis has been the same. The defence is solid. And if we can expand on these patches of good play to start imposing ourselves on other teams, then fantastic. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can we can look at numbers later. I've got a load of the data in front of me. But if you there's an interesting if you look at the the table of people who've played passes in the final third, the first ten are Leicester players, and and then um, then there's Lucas Moura. So you know, I think there's a lot of work to do. And also, this whole thing is the the way Mourinho works: win first, style later, is the opposite of what Spurs fans are used to. And it's going to take. I think the older you are, it's going to take a longer time to get used to it because I was brought up on happy and happy with us finishing mid-table as long as David Ginola put one in the top call and this is going to take a bit of getting used to. I have to ask you, James, on that. I mean, we had this debate last week and over the last couple of weeks, we've had this debate, you know, all throughout the shows on Last Word on Spurs in terms of, you know, are you willing to sacrifice the style when it comes to results? Because I said it last week, you know, I'm trying my very best to become adaptable to learning to have less of the ball as a footballing team that we had for five to six years under the previous manager to now being willing to allow a lesser footballing team, whether that's Newcastle, whether that's Leicester, or whether it's teams around us, to have more percentage of the ball for us then to counter-attack them and, and win the games like that. And I think it's one of those things where it depends what we're going to be winning in the long term in order if it's going to be satisfying for me in two to three years. That, that's how I'm looking at it for me personally, that if you're going to say to me that in two, three years' time, this Spurs team are going to get over the line in terms of a Premier League or a Champions League, then do you know what? I'll say, do you know what? Yeah, maybe I can accept that. But if it's all this in terms of the, the style of play, in terms of allowing the opposition to have more of the ball, to dominate thus just for a League Cup or an FA Cup, I do think I'll feel differently. I mean... For you, James, do you think there's any way in which, if he does get better players, that this style does change slightly? Because what I will say is that in his first spell at Chelsea, when he was at Real Madrid, there has been attacking elements to his game. It hasn't always been like this. Do you think once he gets his own players and he actually can get defenders that can defend, we may see the style adapt slightly, James? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I, I really hope so. You know, as you as you say, I mean, if you look at the Chelsea team, there was like there was Joe Cole, there was there was Damien Duff, there's Iron Robin. You know, there was Drogba and Lampard and Essien and Makaleli and those sort of players. And then, I mean, you look at Real Madrid. Obviously, they all the players they had and Inter Milan had Schneider. Uh, and like they've had they've had these creative players. Um, and I like you know if you again if you look at the amount of passes the player who had. Um, the most possession for Spurs was was Musa, the most touches outside of the defence because they always get most touches was Musa Sissoko. So I think that's Musa Sissoko is a kind of embodiment of this this principle where he does so much well. 
you know, he's breaking the ball. He played, I thought he played quite well today. He breaks the play up. He, he In terms of the counter-attack, he's the person who drives that along. But he's awful with the ball. He is terrible and he just keeps giving the ball away. So I think, you know, I think if you can address the defensive midfield situation, if you can get, I still live in hope that you get some Dombele working, but you get someone in the middle of the park to play that way. I think, I think for sure it can get better. Um, I'm, I'm just, you know, you look back at the Manchester United situation where, and, you know, in the past, it, what he wants is predictability. What Spurs are used to is unpredictability. And maybe, and you know, and maybe that's, that's, that's our failing and his, you know, why he wins such. It's just really difficult to get used to because, you know, he has got rid of, you know, De Bruyne and Lukaku and Salah and he didn't like Pogba and he didn't seem to like Martial and Rashford too much. And obviously we've got Ndombele, who we all want to see playing. But I just, there's like the way this system is playing and wanting players who he knows what they're going to do, there's no way he's ever going to fit in this team. And it's just, it seems like a shame. But I, I mean, to answer your original question, I personally, no, I don't think I would compromise it because I go to be, I go to games to be entertained and to have fun with my mates and my family and my son. And it's just not fun. And like, maybe I'll chat when I go back to this, back to the stadium and I'll renew my season ticket and everything else. And just, I'm not sure at the moment. It's uh, as you can probably hear, I find it quite, it's quite a confusing internal debate. I could definitely see at the moment it's caused a lot of confusion, James, for you. Let's bring Rich in. Rich, in terms of the style for you, um, where do you sit on it? Because I do feel the players are starting to buy into him now and buy into the philosophy, and they're certainly working for him off and on the ball. How are you seeing it for you, Rich? Yeah, well, I was a big, big Pochettino fan, as you know, um, and kind of bought into into that, that philosophy, but... I don't think he, he really he really closed out the games like Mourinho seems to at the moment, and that's that's what he he does. He he gets to a, a situation and basically just closes up shop. Definitely did that today. Um, the style of play in some in some quarters of the game is very boring, but it's about partnerships. And if you look at the the team that played today, it was very specific in what he wanted the. Um, wants all the players to do in regarding doubling up on certain players, uh, being very protective. And like I say, hitting the hitting Leicester on the counter-attack, which uh, historically they're brilliant at with obviously Vardy's pace. I think obviously Toby for me, um, getting him to re-sign. I'm a big Toby fan. And um, I was speaking to um, Jay Redknapp um, about what we were lacking a couple of weeks ago and Harry Winks, for me, obviously, in the team, Tottenham lad, knows what it feels like to, <laughs> to be on a losing team week after week, but also is passionate about the team. And for me, obviously, being patriotic and, and being so patriotic about, obviously, my sport and my country, having somebody like that that really lives and breathes the team, for me, is the, the heartbeat of the team. And let's, and let's not um, kid ourselves that up front, with um, uh, Sonny and uh, Kane at the moment on fire. Obviously, a lot, of, a lot of the teams that we're playing at the moment aren't able to uh, figure out that, that Sonny brings that ball on his right foot and every time he's got it on his right foot, he, he puts it in the back of the net. It's like the, the commentators are saying, keep him off his right foot, but every time it's on his right foot, even today with the deflection it went in. So, um, uh, for me, I, I'm still not a massive Mourinho fan, but I am wanting, willing, obviously, like you guys, 
in, in Madrid, kind of sitting there, willing us to win the European Cup and frustrated after 80-odd seconds, going, oh no, what have I done? Two or three connecting flights and we come away with a loss. <laughs> and it was a shocking game. And I think with Mourinho in that form, I think we'd have probably won. And Dembele, maybe. Mm. I mean... Let me come back around to you, Jamie, because I think, again, on this show, definitely again this season, we've had so many contrasting views in terms of the manager, in terms of the style of football. But, I mean, I think you've got to say that overall, we've been fairly decent since the restart. Apart from Sheffield United and Bournemouth games, we're growing stronger in defence, efficient in front of goal. A few tweaks in the right places, Jamie. I do feel that next season will be looking really good. But, you know, I have to, again, to pick up on... The point there by Rich and the point by James, just to get your views on it, Jamie, for you, that, you know, Leicester, we saw they had more of the ball than Spurs, but they couldn't do anything with it. While Tottenham, we scored every shot that we had in that first half. Many, again, will describe it as a masterclass at work from Jose Mourinho. We are still, in terms of the teams to pick up points and games, you know, Liverpool and Man City are the only teams to win more Premier League games than Spurs since Mourinho was appointed. Do you think, Jamie, he will start to win around the doubters in the long term? Well, one thing I'd say is I do think this the way of, that Jose Mourinho is trying to play in terms of that counter-attacking football, it can eventually be quite attractive to watch. I mean, you go and look at that Real Madrid side that he had. I mean, they were so fantastic at counter-attacking. So it shows that it can be done. I think that, you know, Spurs fans now, we want to see it in more sustained periods, as the guys have said earlier. Um, it was frustrating to, to sit there for so long during that match. And, you know, we're 3 it up, but you, feel, you still feel so much anxiety because... You know, we're, we're inviting so much pressure on. But, you know, you just hope that when he's got kind of those specialist players, everything will come will, will come a bit more, um, a, a lot more effective. And, that, and that's where you kind of hope it will improve. Um, you know, I, I think Jose Mourinho's kind of accepted the situation that he's in at Spurs. He knows he's got to be realistic in terms of the, the, the players that he's bringing in. You know, he knows he's not going to be able to go and get the top echelon players. So he's, he's obviously got there. He's, he's identified kind of the positions that he wants. Um, and hopefully, if he's given those positions and, and those players that he needs, this this uh, the way we are playing will become a lot more effective. Um, but I do think that you know this the, the way we do play can be very exciting to watch. I mean, today even today it was you know so many flashes of, of brilliance um, when we were going forward. As I said, it's it's just about you want to see it in more um, sustained periods throughout the game. You do. And we've got like I say, a load of listener questions here. Some of them more statements. This is from Michael Bennett at Benno the Year, who says, we've gone from pressing football to counter-attacking football with Kane, Mora and Son in our ranks. We have the players to do damage when we're in the break. Players seem to be understanding the tactics now. And although I'm still not sold, there are encouraging signs. Substance over style. Daniel Parry says, delighted with the result. And it's actually four on three back-to-back wins, four at the stadium, with this seemingly new style of counter-attacking football. Do the pod think we'll be the biggest winners and losers of this system and style? Also, is Europa important to blood youngsters? I would say, Daniel, for me personally, I think Europa League for Spurs next season will be important to maybe blood some of the youngsters in the younger rounds. But I think, as we've heard from Mourinho, he genuinely feels that he wants to go and win this competition. Robbo Gaming says, what a win. Is it just me or are we learning now to start closing out these games and controlling them? I'm loving seeing us win again. Jose is working wonders and we need to start backing him. That's from Robbo Gaming. Now, coming back round to you, James, we saw Mourinho unchanged in his Spurs team for a third game in a row. But that could have been playing one or two different formations. We saw Sergio Aurea start yet again. 
after returning from compassionate leave again so much credit to Sergio to be able to play through this difficult period for both him and his family thoughts are going out to him obviously no Deli Ali again due to injury James for you is Mourinho now starting to settle on a side because I think Definitely under Pochettino towards the end, I think one of the most frustrating things was there was a continual changing of the team. And with Mourinho, definitely now it feels a bit more stable. Everyone seems to know their jobs, knows their positions. Can you at least see, James, from that perspective, that Spurs, we are starting to have a bit more of a stable side at the moment? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, it goes it goes back to what Richard was saying earlier about, about partnerships and it's almost about muscle memory and getting used to the players you're playing with. And, you know, we, I think, yeah, that's the third game in a row that we're unchanged. Um, and, yeah, and, you know, it's clearly working. And there's a, he made a great comment after the game that um, all the players were tired. I mean, he could rotate the players, but I can completely understand why he's not. Um, you know, really, from, from, from the outside, he, he really only trusts the players who started today plus the players who, well... Lamella and Bergwijn could could quite easily come in. Then you've got Eric Dyer, and outside of that, you're starting to to struggle for players that he actually trusts to to play the games. So, for yeah, I mean, and we've got one one game left, and he certainly this this. I mean, you can almost see that with a week's gap, there's not a midweek game. There'll be it'll be the same team. Bergwijn and Lamella will come on after 70 minutes when when Sun and uh, and more have run their hearts out. And then if we're still winning, he'll bring on one of the kids who maybe bring on Jetson or Skip as he did today. Hopefully Sessegnon will get a game. But it, I mean, it's very, the partnerships are very set. Um, and it kind of makes sense really. It's a shame not to see Vertonghen coming on in probably his last, the last game at the stadium. But yeah, I mean, and, and he's building those partnerships and he's building those muscle memories and that predictability. And it's all about, you know, he commented on Ben Davis. What he likes is that he's always going to get seven out of 10 game out of him and he knows exactly what he's going to do. And that's what he wants from players. He doesn't want um, players who are going to do random things that upset the system completely understand, especially if you're bringing players, uh, bringing teams onto you, ceding possession to them, letting them attack you. You've got to trust those defensive patterns that he works on in training. And it's really working. It is really working. Again, when we, we emphasise that point, and you can see players now, they know each other's jobs, they're starting to gel. I mean, just a point, James, what I do want to ask you, I didn't ask you before, just on the style of football that for you. Um, do you think once fans go back into that stadium, especially for the home games, do you think that maybe will dictate Mourinho's setup and style? Because I think maybe, again, when you have you know 60,000 Spurs fans in that home stadium with the lack of possession, will that alter or change his style? Or do you think, again, if we're getting results, it's going to pretty much lead to a stable team and then a less change of the style? No, there's no no, there's no way he'll change. Like he, he is what he is and he'll do what he wants to do and what he feels best. And that, you know, that's right. You've got to stick to what you believe in. I personally don't, you know, it's, it's you know, each person, there's no moral imperative about how you should play football. You know, I coach my sons under nines team. It's not how I want them playing. But, you know, it's 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 each for themselves. What I do think is that, you know, we're all on Twitter and the sort of people on Twitter, it's like the younger generation. When you get to the stadium, and I'm, as I said, I've got a season ticket, you, there's a slightly older generation who are used to playing this good football and it's more ingrained. And I, there, it could be that there is um, there is some some sort of conflict with that, the way he plays. But I think as you know, as long as he keeps winning games, 
then there, there's not going to be many complaints. No, exactly. Let's bring you in, Rich, on that point. You know, in terms of, like I say, when fans go back into that stadium, um, how do you see that in terms of that working long term? Because, again, you look at the team, it is now a pretty much stable 11 for the moment. Of course, with signings coming in the summer that we know is going to happen, that's going to change his team long term. But it does feel with Mourinho that he wants now a stable team. He's not going to change it up week upon week. It is about, like you say, building partnerships. What's your thoughts yeah, on that? And stability. And stability. And, and you look at... Um... Even today, with uh, defending corners, picking up markers, so much better than earlier in the season. Like the mistakes we're doing in, inside the box, the first five or six games was terrible. Nobody's picking up markers, two or three players free. Even uh, the Sheffield United game was the first one where I thought, we're going backwards here. But obviously, the players must have got a rollick in because the next game, everybody was well drilled. Obviously, Sonny got a rollicking from, uh, from obviously, Lloris around, obviously not tracking back. And it, this is definitely more together as a team, more unified. And I think as we go forwards, he's wanting players to buy into that. And if they don't buy into it, he'll then, obviously, move them move them away from that kind of that setup and sell them or kind of get them training until they actually do buy into it. But... Um, I see when the fans come back into the stadium being real pivotal, does Mourinho then stick to his guns? Is he going to play a different style away than he does at home? I could see maybe, uh, depending it, depending the style of the opposition team, I know from obviously watching him when he was uh, Inter Milan and Real Madrid, he did switch the style slightly depending on what the, what the teams, the, the opponents were. And uh, that's why it was quite exciting to see that he pushed Sonny up into that four four two, and then dropped him back in and then just, just tweaked it slightly depending on the actual opponent. And especially for the midfield as well, because sometimes I think we do find that we are a little overrunning midfield. And I think that's really important to make sure that when we are playing those better ball-playing teams, that we have better control. Yeah, talk about control, talk about Sonny being pushed up. Let's come round to you, Jamie, because Sonny, I say got us off the market, went down in the end as a goal credited for an, for an own goal. Um, we laugh about own goals being our top scorer this season. Not just yet, but um, they're up there. But again, Jamie, great intention from Son to put Spurs in the lead. He cut in, and I think like Rich said earlier, you know what he's going to do. It's amazing that how many defenders don't know what he's going to do by now, but it was a sublime ball from Harry Kane to find him inside. Yeah. And I'd say cut inside, his effort was deflected in. There was a brief VR check for offside, but it wasn't given. But the most important thing is, Jay, we got that early lead, didn't we? A couple of the goals today, they were all kind of breakaways. And, and that's what we were hoping to see under Jose Mourinho a lot more. But yeah, it was a, a brilliant finish by Son. Harry Kane, of course, absolutely back to his best today. I mean, you know, obviously not just his goal scoring ability, but his creative ability, um, his willingness to get forward. Of course, he nearly... Um, saw the goal uh, cancelled out by being offside, but working hard to get up there. But yeah, obviously Harry came pivotal in that move. Um, again, proving today why he's such a good player and a, a complete player. But Sonny, again, yeah, I mean, he's going to be such a big player under Jose Mourinho because you kind of see uh, the, the pace and power that he has to get forward. Um, and that's going to be so important in terms of uh, Jose Mourinho's style of play and trying to hit teams on the break. So yeah, Sonny, of course, you know, the fantastic player, but I also think he's going to be uh, really crucial for, for aiding the way that Jose Mourinho is hoping to play at Spurs. 
Yeah, and we also saw, you know, to continue his superb first half, it was his tackle that started the move for Kane's first. A little bit quiet in the second half, but he should have done better from Kane's wonderful pass. But it's now 10 goals and 10 assists under Mourinho for the South Korean star. And James, you know, Son has been awarded the Hotspur one player of the season, the one Hotspur goal of the season, junior members player of the season, supporters club player of the season. I mean, he scooped all the awards. And of course, we can't forget that wonderful solo goal against Burnley. What have you made as a whole in terms of his season again for you, James? I can barely remember back to Burnley, to be honest. Uh, this, <laughs> this season's been about two years long. It does feel like that, to be honest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, he's been incredible, obviously. Um, and he managed to do national service in the middle of it, so fair play to him. Now, I mean, he's obviously a fantastic player, um, and he's, as, you, as, as both guys have said, he's so pivotal to this to this team. I think he is most effective coming in from the left-hand side, cutting in on his right foot. And, you know, I think that's where our strength is. If you look at Kane's second goal, that's where that came from. Um, but he's, I think if you look at Lucas Moura and Son, they're, they're fairly similar, except Son is such a good finisher, whereas Lucas is very sporadic. Although, you know, his final ball finishing is, is getting slightly better, but Son is such a clinical finisher. That, and he, and he, you know, obviously he's got the ten goals, ten assists. He, he really, he really adds a lot in the, in that, in the box, and a lot of threat in the box. And the only other person who does that within the squad is that is is Deli Ali, who's got that kind of calm and poise in the box. And that there's another, that's another kind of question. If you look at Richard was talking about how this this formation is flexible, the four two three one when we're playing against. Um, well, slightly, you would say, inferior teams. But when we're up against, like when we played Arsenal and when we played other teams, we've played the 4-3-3. And all that means is that Giovanni Lo Celso either plays as a 10 or plays as in the midfield three. And it keeps the same overall structure and the same partnerships and combinations. But, you know, Sun's position is one of the positions that Deli Ali could fit him into. And I just don't see where he's going to fit into the into this team. And, you know, the same could be applied to Ndombele. But... Yeah, Son is is a is absolutely vital outside of Harry Kane and Toby. He's our most important player, I think. I'm glad you brought up Deli Ali and Ndombele. I'm going to ask the guys about those players in terms of their long-term futures a bit later in the show. But Rich, to come round to you, Hummin Son again. You know, I think it's his best ever Premier League return. Involved again, so crucially in the first goal, it makes Kane's first one as well. What have yep. you made of Hummin Son season again for Tottenham? And like I think James said, they're so impressive. He's had military service in the middle of it. We've also had the pandemic, but yep. still a decent season from Hummin Son, isn't it? Yeah, um, frustrating that it's not off the back of actually winning something as well. Um, but I think if you look at his work rate, how he's how he's improved season on season with his work rate, tracking back, um, and again that link play. The thing that um, the difference I find with Moore and, and Sonny, um, apart from the clinicalness, is that I think uh, Lucas um, feels the pressure. Sometimes I just feel in front of in front of uh, the goal, he's or even coming onto onto the ball, he's, he he looks like he's got far too much pressure. He needs to relax when the ball comes to him. Just like um, hit the ball instinctively instead of like thinking too much about what he's doing and thinking about the consequences of maybe missing. When he was, obviously, the semi-final Ajax, it just it came to him so quickly. All three came to him so quickly. I know, that obviously, uh, a couple were jinking runs and then put it in the corner, but they came to him so quickly. And he, he, he was, I think he shocked himself. You look at the, um, the response from him. 
But and I think Sonny is is got that in abundance. He's very confident. He knows what he's good at. He also works at those other areas that he needs to work at. And every year you look at, he's getting better and better. If he can finish the same left and right foot, how good would he be next year? And I'm 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 really looking forward to seeing how he works in this, this Mourinho team next year. Um, obviously with the partnership um, on on that side, um, and then developing obviously that that killer instinct with 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 Kane, their partnership was kind of the same partnership that Sonny and and, and Delhi had um, the season before. But I think he's been clinical. He's now he's now showing that he is a goal scorer and is somebody that we can rely on a team. It's not all Harry up front. And um, let's see what next year comes. I'm excited. I just I just hope that we don't buy in players that are just squaddy players. We need to have players that are going to add quality to give us that 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 quality going forwards. I just, every time I hear about some of these players that we're going to sign for next season, I'm going, it's just like, I'm I'm not feeling it. I want to feel inspired by the players that we buy because they need to add value going forwards. It's interesting because again, we've we always see players being linked, and you know the likes of Hoiberg and you know maybe strikers in the summer. You know Omishen, for example. Again, these kind of players at the moment, we have to remember Spurs are battling for a Europa League spot. Does that dictate maybe who they're going after? But you look at someone like Jose Mourinho, you've got in charge. You know, you'd like to think with his contacts in the game with both agent and players that if anyone is going to play for him, don't they? Well, you'd like to think that, Rich. You'd like to think anyone can persuade a player to come and join Tottenham, regardless if they're in Champions League, Europa League, or no. European football Jose Muno would be the man to do that so I think again in terms of players coming in one to keep an eye on but we are going to go for a very quick break and when we return we are going to be discussing clinical Harry Kane Hugo Lloris's heroics mighty Lucas Mora the leaked Amazon footage of this weekend and of course looking ahead to our final game of the season against Crystal Palace do not go anywhere we are back after this very very short break Hello and welcome to the second half here of the last word on Spurs, providing you with instant reaction to the win over Leicester City. And where next best to start, Jamie, coming around to you about Harry Kane. Phenomenal Harry Kane back on the score sheet. His first goal we saw, a son tackle putting Lo Celso away. And he played in Lucas, who delivered a perfect ball into Kane and slid home to put Spurs 2-0 up. It was a brilliant counter-attack by Spurs, led by Lo Celso, involved with Lucas, finished by Kane, and he absolutely loves scoring against Leicester City, doesn't he, Jamie? Yeah, well, firstly, I'd like to hear Paul Merson's reaction to Harry Kane's uh, <laughs> performance today, because, um, yeah, fantastic. And and that third goal I want to highlight, because it was kind of that, that moment why we've really missed a player like Harry Kane. Um, it was kind of a moment where the chance looked like it was gone, it gone quite wide, but then Harry Kane somehow managed to recover it and then bends it into the corner. I mean, literally... I think only in that team or most players in the world, only Harry Kane is really capable of doing that. And, and that, a moment like that really shows you why he's probably the best number nine in the world, why he's so important to this team. And, and that's one thing that, that frustrates me about so many supporters, um, opposition supporters. They just forget how good Harry Kane is. And, you know, he's, he's had such a frustrating last couple of months with injuries Um you know, and of course, it was always going to take him a bit of time to get back up to speed to have such a, a, a difficult injury. Um, and of course, he's had difficult injuries in the past as well. You know, that's mentally challenging. It was always going to take him time to kind of get up to speed. But, 
you know, we're now starting to see him really up to speed. And um, yeah, it was it was really, really, of course, just useful having a guy like Harry Kane up front. And, and it just shows you again why he is so important to this team. Um, and yeah, I mean, a fantastic performance from today. Um, but it wasn't just his goal scoring ability, you know, it's his, it's his all round play. I mean, that's something that that makes it really makes him stand out from the other number nines is his ability to pick out passes. I mean, that that pass that he made to Sonny was absolutely outrageous. That, incredible. At, yep. Exactly. You know, yep, outrageous. Incredible. You know, there's not many strikers in the world that have that sort of uh, ability to pick out a pass like that. And it was, you know, it was, it was really disappointing that it wasn't, uh, you know, Sonny wasn't able to take the chance because that would have been some assist and, uh, you know, really would have summed up what Harry Kane was all about if he'd have managed to get an assist like that and two goals. But outstanding performance from him today. Really, really pleased that he's, you know, he's back to his best. Yeah. Coming around to you, Rich, you know, we laugh and joke about Harry Kane, Paul Merson. You look at it now and you think 13 goals in just 18 matches under Jose Mourinho for Harry Kane. Doesn't seem to be struggling too much for goals under the Portuguese boss. And, you know, one of the world's best strikers. And that's just what they do regardless, isn't it? You know, whoever it is, he'll find the back of the net, Harry Kane, because he's that good. And you'd think that Merson would have have a bit of empathy with being a a so-called high-level footballer in the Mm. past and understand what it takes to be on it week on, week in, he, Harry Kane is, is a player that we are obviously very lucky to have and we've we've got a system that's developed Harry Kane obviously went out on loan and then he came back and he had so many great strikers to mentor him into the first team and then he's worked hard on his game and where he's had those weaknesses he's worked and worked and worked and I, and I know he's worked so hard on his finishing and he's in front of in front of um, a keeper one-on-one yeah, nine times out of ten, and the other time is because of because he's already scored three or four. He's he's so clinical. You look at his attributes as well. The one thing that obviously was brought up today was more about his his starting speed and but his intelligence on the ball. Very much like when we had Teddy showing him, he's very very intelligent with the ball, uses the ball ball very well, holds up the ball. World class player is an understatement, and we we need to keep players like him and build the team around him. And I think that's what, what Mourinho is trying to do. He's trying to encompass what the what the Spurs way of playing is by by utilising Harry Kane's influence in the change room and on the pitch. His, his uh, ball play today was, for me, better than the goals that he scored. Uh, very much um, uh, positive. I think the first couple of games that Mourinho was, we, we had Mourinho, uh, very lateral balls, where it was, today is very positive uh, movement. Uh, and uh, and for me, Harry Kane is one of those players that you can't replace, cannot replace. Please keep yeah. Harry Kane. <laughs> it, it, Joe, it's funny you say it, Rich. When I, when I see stories about Spurs funding a potential rebuild with Harry Kane, I think, oh my God, I think, well, where are you going to get all those goals every season. It's a guaranteed 20-plus, again, as we've seen this season. You know, it's 20-plus every season. And with Tottenham's, you know, recruitment policy, as we've seen over the last kind of 12, 18 months, and how badly we've been with certain players, you think, can you trust this board, this recruitment team, to go out there and replace those goals with someone equally as good as Kane? That, let's be honest about that guy is the poster boy of the football club. Yeah, would you want to as well? Would you want to <laughs> Would you want to sell Harry exactly. and then... Uh, like on a flip of a coin, exactly. Uh, yep. Be investing in the squad. Spot on. It's a it's a be a massive gamble. It's a gamble that you feel with Tottenham. 
probably wouldn't pay off knowing Spurs. Just bringing you in here, James. You know, Mourinho makes that point after the game, as Richard emphasised, that, you know, he says everybody thinks he thinks he's a fantastic player. Spurs are so lucky to have him because he's a player and a person that is a Tottenham boy. Probably he wouldn't be so special playing for any other team. He really is special playing for Tottenham. He really is special playing for us. We want him to be here. We want him to be happy. He wants victories. He wants to score. I mean, he seems to say everything, James. The focus is being that he wants to build his team around Harry Kane. And Mourinho, he's worked with some top strikers in the past. I like to Drogba. Ibrahimovic, you name him, he's played with them. He knows how good Harry Kane is. This guy is world class, isn't he, James? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. The only, the only, the only thing that gets in Harry Kane's way is just the time it takes him to come back from injury. That's the only thing because like once he's back to full speed, he's complete. Like I must say, there was there was a time a little while back where I thought that that you know the goal, the second goal he scored today, which was. Not as good, but not dissimilar to the goal he scored in that North London derby at White Hart Lane. Um, I just didn't think he had it in him anymore. But, you know, more for me. The guy's incredible. Um, and, you know, you, you, you talk about, you know, what he adds as as a... And, and we spoke about Harry Winks earlier. What he adds as the kind of the leader of Spurs. You know, I was, I was born in Tottenham. You know, he, he, the fans have empathy with him. The, like, my son... Every shirt, he's, every Spurs shirt he's got has got Kane on the back. Do you maybe want Son on this one? No, just Kane. It's like he means more. He'll mean more to Spurs than he would to anyone else. Yeah, and he's, and it's and it's completely, it's absolutely vital that we keep him. Not only not only because he's the best number nine in the world, he's also one of the best number tens in the world. Yeah. And and there was one, there was a point in a, like two or three games ago where he was doing the number nine thing well. And then he was trying to do the number 10 thing well, but he wasn't being able to get between the two Spot. to link it up. Yep. And now he's absolutely flying and he's playing the ball wide with those that, those incredible cross-field passes. Then he's getting in the box to be on the other end. And it's it's absolutely fantastic to see that. And the other, I mean, the other thing is that if you, as you guys spoke about, if you looked at how you replace him, that, let's be honest, the way Harry Kane came through was through his hard work, but also... It was the fact that Emmanuel Adebayor and Roberto Soldado got injured and he had to play. And, he, you know, he was given a chance and he, and he was brilliant and he played. But, you know, I, I just don't think at Spurs he would, have, he would potentially have been given a chance otherwise. And you look at, you know, I'm not saying these players definitely aren't of the Harry Kane level. But you look at the, Marcus Edwards, who's gone away and is now lighting up the Portuguese league. Kyle Walker-Peters has gone away and he's been man of the match for the last two Southampton games. Maybe, and, and you've got Troy Parrott, who is, I know he's injured now, but he hasn't, like we need to, we either, we're either, now we're out the Champions League, we're not going to be able to buy players of Harry Kane's level. So we've got to try and bring them through. So like, yeah, selling, selling Kane would be like, especially when you've got a new stadium that you need to pay off. You've had, you know, what, six, seven, eight games without any income at that stadium. It, it doesn't even bear thinking about. It doesn't. The guy is world-class. And I've got to say, another player that I've been so impressed with since, well, the return of the Premier League, Jamie, to come around to you is Hugo Lloris. I think he's been probably on par with mm. our best performers. And again, today, I mean, three top quality saves. Two in particular, I thought were just outrageous that he had no right to save. I mean, 
I think as Spurs fans, we're very mm. quick to get on his back when he makes a howler, doesn't have his greatest performance. But sometimes when he plays really well, we don't emphasise it enough that, God, that's a great performance. And I think Jamie has the right, I think, on the back of this game to have all the plaudits for a really decent display. And yeah. I think we are starting to see from Hugo Lloris a real captain's mentality, not just how he acts on the field, but how he acts off it. What have you made of his return, Jamie, since the Premier League? Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you remember back to that clash that he had with Hyung uh, Min Son at half-time. And, you know, at, the, at that moment of time, we were all wondering what on earth is going on here. Um, but you realise that he, he that was actually going over to Hyung Min Son to have a go at him for a lack of pressing, uh, which allowed for Everton to have a chance. And, and that's what you want from your captain. So that, that's really great to see. You know, he's had criticism as a captain. You know, was, is his leadership good enough? Well, you know... You, you, you've seen him go and win the World Cup with France. So he's certainly shown that he's got those qualities. Um, and yeah, he's really impressed me since the restart. But, you know, he, he has those games. He's had a lot of games where he's kind of really stood up and made himself counted. Um, I remember specifically in the Champions League last year, um, that Man City game at home when we won 1-0, he made a lot of fantastic saves, including a penalty save. So he's a guy that really does stand up in those big occasions. And yeah, he's made lots of fantastic saves. Uh, since the restart, obviously he made a couple of fantastic saves today. Um, but, you know, it really is kind of, he has had some really mixed form. And I know a lot of Spurs fans have kind of said, do we need to replace him? But, you know, off the back of these performances, I think he's certainly uh, merited another, at least another year at Spurs. But yeah, his, his shot stop ability um, does certainly still make him one of the best in the world. And um, it's going to be really important, you know, when we've, we've got a keeper that we can trust. Um, and that will make himself counted in those sort of games where, you know, our backs to the wall. You know, if we're going to allow for teams to come and um, put pressure on us, then we've got to have a guy in goal that we can trust. And, you know, at the moment, you really see that Hugo Lloris is, is kind of making himself uh, counted. And, yeah, been really, really pleased with his uh, performances. Rich, to come around to you, I mean, we know he flapped out an early cross, but after that, he more than made up for it. A top-draw flying save to push away Perez's volley at full stretch. He then denied the same player from distance just before the break with another fingertip flyer. Tipped over a powerful free kick from Gray before the hour mark and pushed away Ian Atto's shot from distance in the final minutes. I mean, didn't shut up all game, constantly organising the defence, and they responded in kind of a clean sheet as Leicester resorted to many shots from distance. What have you made, Rich, in terms of Hugo Lloris and his performances since the return of football in the Premier League? I think um, since his return from injury, uh, there's been a difference in the style of his game management. Uh, I think if you look at how he's um, addressing his back four, and obviously you look at the back four and Serge isn't in the box making those kind of rash tackles, those, those maybe mistakes that he was doing earlier in the season. He's he's in the areas where yes he does make the odd mistake or gives the ball away, but his his partner down that wing would then cover and support him. So um, Hugo's part of that. He's like he's he's a colonel and he's um, with his troops in front of him very much. He's managing um, them and especially around corners as well. Obviously uh, Hugo's not not the biggest keeper. He doesn't dominate. Um, uh, the box in that respect but I think he controls them very well I think if you look at how he controls the uh, uh, the players in 
in this six yard box. It's very important that they're doing their roles. Going back to obviously what we were saying before, that team management, obviously Jose's given everybody roles in the team. And one of Hugo's roles, and this is the reason why his form's so so good. I think previously, confidence-wise, I think Hugo's very much a confidence player. When you look at when he's very confident, he's making these worldy saves. He's a great shot stopper. But when his confidence is low, he's flapping at the ball and crosses. Even even like when the ball's coming in, he's like flapping at the ball. Where now he's very confident. He's he's commanding his box, and then he's putting that ball into play in the right areas. So the team is then being positive. I'm really really happy, really happy with him. I think there's obviously we'll be very positive today, and I know that it's there is areas of the the team that we do need to look at kind yeah. of improving. And hopefully we can kind of, we can push on next season. But yeah, Hugo's done well this year. Yep. Just along with Hugo, James, to bring it around to you, you know, Toby Adeville, I thought we dealt with everything that came his way on the deck and in the year two, continuing his fine form since returning to the starting lineup. I mean, a goal scoring block to deny Vardy. He is still one of the very few Spurs players that are still unbeaten in a Spurs shirt since the return of football in the Premier League. Davidson Sanchez, again, was imperious to everything he did and made some superb last gas blocks in and around his box and put his head where it hurts at times. And you look at someone like, again, Ben Davis flung himself into a couple of massive blocks in front of goal. Like Aurea, wasn't really given an attacking brief, but defended superbly. I mean, James, is there kind of, you know, calls for optimism? Because we are, no matter what anyone says, we do seem to be defending a lot better since the lockdown. Again, Everybody knows their jobs. It is, as we've discussed, a more stable back four. And I do think Mourinho has kind of got this defence organised. I'm fair to say that, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're very organised. Um, I think I think really what, what we need to see this is over a longer period of time because he's definitely got those five players organised. The, 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 the back four, that back four. And and Hugo Lloris, and obviously you've got the work that that Weeks and particularly Sissoko Sissoko does mopping up for Aurier when he's wandering around at the top of the field. Um, is great. So that works. What what we over a season, my concern would be that obviously the balance of the of the defence is that is that Davis is very defensive, although that has changed a little bit, but he's still mainly defensive. And Aurier is very attacking, and that's how it balances itself out. Obviously, if one of those players got injured, you the the unfortunately the, the, their covers in those positions are the opposite. Sessegnon, as a left back, is very attacking. He's really a winger, unless you play someone like Dennis Serkin, who hasn't made his Premier League debut yet. And then on the other side, you've probably got Tanganga or Foyth in covering for Aurier, and they're completely different. So I think. When injuries happen, let's see how how we go. But I think for the moment, for sure. But also having a proper defensive midfielder will really help that. And if we can get that sorted out in the summer, then I think you've got a really good base. I think out of Ireland is, you know, it's him, Vertonghen and Ledley King are the best defenders I've seen at Spurs and I've, since I've been going since 1986 and they're the best three Um and yeah, he's he's just consistently really. You don't see him making that many tackles. He's blocks and he gets in. And he reads the game so well and he organises. Um, you know, back on just on Lloris, I think you know he is what he is. He he will always make mistakes. He made mistakes when we had the best defensive record in the league with Vertonghen and Alderweireld and Walker and Rose. He still made mistakes then. 
he'll make two or three a year, but he's a goalkeeper. That's kind of, it's so rare that you don't get that happening. So I think you just have to take it, take it as it is. I mean, Manchester United's game this weekend, David De Gea has made an absolute clanger. So, yeah. you know, all the all, all goalkeepers make mistakes. Loris made one in a World Cup final, so it's it's going to happen. But the defence, as long as your defence is organised, you can mitigate that. As, and we've done that. And I think Mourinho deserves a hell of a lot of credit for that. Yeah, Jonathan Weber says a little praise for Hugo. He gets a lot of stick from many, sometimes rightfully so, but he was phenomenal and kept the team in the game. Again, I, I have to agree, Hugo Lloris, massive for Tottenham since, I think, this, this lockdown and since football being back, he's been great. And I think another player, Jamie, I, I do want to kind of outline is Giovanni Lo Celso because I think some Spurs fans, definitely including myself, I think I've been frustrated by his positioning. I think he's been played at times far, far too deep. But to be fair to Mourinho, he was playing more in an advanced playmaker role against Leicester. He had more of a natural kind of Ericsson type to he's kind of feel more of a pivot in the attacking transition he really did play his part in terms of Spurs' second goal he worked ever so hard I think it's easy to forget as well that he's paying he's playing through the pain with that groin injury do you yeah. think Jamie that yeah. on the back of this season once he gets into next season you know he had a full then season under his belt to acclimatise get to know the league get to know the players will we see the the best of Junior Wilder Celso because I see a lot of people when you praise mm. the Celso they come back and say well look at his goals return look at his assists return it hasn't been great but I think that's also down to the case Jay that he hasn't been played where in I think is his favourite position a little bit more as a kind of playmaker a cam that he was when he was at Real Betis mm. playing really well yeah, I definitely think at the moment it, we've kind of only seen uh, brilliance in flashes, but there's certainly been a lot of potential there. And, you know, as you outlined with that that injury, that's always going to be very difficult to play through. Um, and that was certainly going to limit his game. I mean, look, he's, he's kind of only just come into this this new system, having had a couple of um, injury problems. So I do think, you know, it's, it's kind of similar to the way Spurs are at the moment in terms of the play style. You just want to give him a bit of time. Um, give him that, that, you know, the pre-season or whatever he's going to get, you know, whatever they're going to get um, and just hope that he, you know, he can kind of next season, he can really hit the ground running. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's only in flashes, but, you know, as we've all seen that there's certainly potential there. I mean, there was definitely moments today. I think it was in that first goal. He definitely showed that what a great creative player he is. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to see more of him next season and, you know, hopefully he can overcome uh, these injury issues because that is frustrating and, and it does seem to be limiting him a bit but yeah I mean overall you know you've got to be pretty happy with, with how Lacelso is doing I mean obviously Mourinho trusts him you know wants to keep him on the pitch the whole time and that's something that's so important you know we speak we spoke about trust and Mourinho really loves players that he can trust and will want to keep them on the pitch well you know Lacelso is a guy that's that's really proven himself to Mourinho I think he said when he was asked about Bruno Fernandes you know, would he have swapped him? But look, he said, you know, Giovanni Lo Celso's work ethic has been fantastic. And maybe that's the difference between Undombele and Lo Celso. You know, what, both of them have had a difficult start at Spurs. But one of them really went to the manager and said, look, I'm going to prove to you that I'm, the, that I'm the right person to play in your team. You know, under the start of Mourinho, there was a lot of the time when Lo Celso was getting left out. But instead of, you know, shying away from the task, he kind of made him stronger and, and he went and proved himself. Um, and that, that's something that has really pleased me. You know, it's worth it. work ethic has, has, has been something that's, that has been really crucial. But as I said, you know, you just hope that next year we can kind of see um, a more productive Giovanni Lo Celso because, you know, his, his, his goal contributions have been a bit low and that's disappointing. But 
you know, we, we've all seen in flashes, you know, what he's capable of. And yeah, hopefully next season, um, he can really hit the ground running. Yep. Rich, coming around to you, Lucas Moura. You know, he assisted two goals in a single game for Spurs for only the second time since he's been at the club. And again, a player there that I think, it seems like someone has kind of flipped the switch in terms of his ability to play a final ball because he was superb in that respect against Leicester. On top of, you know, some recent excellent displays, as I mentioned, two assists already. He wanted a wonderful ball pass from his own box into the runner cane. The next step his game requires really is, like we say, in terms of his finishing and in terms of being able to add a bit of creativity and dimension to his game. Because I think one of those things, Rich, with Mora's infuriated fans at times is that he runs with the ball, doesn't look up, and he clatters into defenders. But I've got to say, the last couple of games, there's been an improvement from him. Do you feel that as well with Mora? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a Lucas fan. Um, I know. Is it Jamie? Jamie, you're not a Lucas fan, mate. But I'm a, I am think for, for me... What it shows is it shows the positivity in uh, in the play. I think the the problem with him, like I alluded to before, is around it's all around confidence. It's clearly a confidence player, and and Jose's put his sh- uh, arm around his shoulder, and he's looking to. Well, he's basically said to him, hasn't he? That's your position. If you want that position, but my expectations are you work as hard as as obviously Ericsson did. The most, obviously, the most uh, running out of the whole team last season. So you need to kind of fill that void. You need to be working hard, and that's uh, offensively and defensively. But I think, like you said and alluded to, that the frustration, frustrating thing is he doesn't get his head up and then see the big picture in front of him when he's actually running with the ball. Because he is so quick, and uh, he needs to add to these goals. I think also... He needs to maybe have a couple of strokes of luck in the in the last game against Crystal Palace, and then we will see the real uh, Lucas next year. I, I think he's. I wouldn't say he's pivotal of the team. He's definitely got a position in the team at the moment. And um, after the Ajax game, it, it definitely gave him um, that confidence moving forward that he can be a top player in this side. And obviously, him and Sonny on the other wing. I think it's a great combination. It's a great combination because it can it can uh, come inside, go outside as well. Um, it's just that in front of goal, and it's the very same thing that we've had with Lamella. It's great, great dribbling with the ball, but sometimes you just go that final ball, the the shooting ability. There's there's three or four of the players in the team that I, I really pull my hair out. You just get into those those uh, that attacking third. And they don't seem to know what to do with the ball. But I think Lucas is starting to develop the work ethic. But also, if he can have a couple of goals, he then is that top player that we need on on that wing. Agree. Now, again, I'm going to come around to you, James. And feel free if you want to bring, again, Lucas more into the topic, because I haven't asked you about this. We're pressed for time. But I've got a question here from Ben Taylor, and it's back to what you said earlier. He says, how do you think Delhi fits into this team? And you kind of mentioned earlier that you think Delhi may not be in Jose Mourinho's long-term plans in terms of getting into this team. Are you still on that kind of same thing? In that, are you still feeling that same kind of way that you feel Delhi's future now at Tottenham is potentially at risk? Yeah, I, I don't. Know. It's difficult because I, I really love Delhi, um, and he's such a like his skill set is so rare that midfielder who can get into the box. His his finishing is incredible. But just slightly touching on, on what Jamie said about, about Giovanni Lo Celso. If you look at his final season in R- at Real Betis, 
he scores 16 goals from midfield, six assists. Like that's that's Delhi, that's Delhi numbers. Um, and I, I I think to be honest, if you're playing a four-three-three, back Delhi can only really play on the left of a front three or as a ten, really. And I just don't think he just gets. I don't think he'll get through as much enough work for for Mourinho and it's really difficult to see where he, he fits in the team and I'm really sad about that like we that that spine that we that we've lost Ericsson and we lost Dembele and we've obviously there's there's Delhi as well and finding replacements for those is difficult but I I mean and also looking at looking at the situation with Lucas I'm I'm not a massive Lucas fan I I think actually after after Ajax, he's been absolutely dreadful up until about three games ago. And then he, and to be fair to him, he's played extremely well, but Bergwijn is a far, far better player long-term, in my opinion. But that still means I just don't see where Delhi fits into this team. As a as a central midfielder in a three, probably not. You'd like to, th- I mean, Mourinho is making noises about trying to get Ndombele, actually probably not Mourinho, the club are trying to, make noises about Ndombele staying and try and get the best out of him. You've got the Celso there who's the best in that midfield and you need a Winks or a Skip or a Hoiberg or whoever's going to come in there. The only place he, Delhi could play would be wide in, in that front three and I, he doesn't got the pace. So it's, it's, I find it very difficult unless, you know, he's a, as a suffer came and he just plays as a number nine. I don't, it's, it's difficult to find, see where he fits in, but I'd like to see that he. I'd like to hope that he could because he's such an intelligent player. Yeah, it's one of those players. Again, I think with Ali, whenever he's on the field, you feel like you'd want to leave him on because he's got that ability to get a goal out of nothing. But there's games that when Delhi isn't scoring, you kind of question what is he doing. But I do think with Delhi. To get the best out of Ali, the most important thing is to play him right behind Kane, so he can run off Kane. I think under Mourinho, we haven't quite seen that. And, you know, we were talking at the case where Mourinho was coming in and he said, Delhi, you know, are you playing like, you know, a younger brother? I mean, there was an initial definite reaction from Delhi where we saw a little bit of a, a spark in terms of his game, but it has dropped off. And I worry for Delhi because he's at an age where now we're starting to come towards his peak as a player. And you look at what he achieved when he first came to the club. He was phenomenal. He really, really was. And I hope sincerely that we can get that player back because he's a superstar in there there really really is there's a superstar in there but we are going to go for our final break and when we return we have to look ahead to our final game of the season against Crystal Palace and taking you into the break we're lucky to be joined by two Crystal Palace fans from different Crystal Palace channels we've got Mike Waldner Squat from Back of the Nest and we've got Jack Pierce from the five-year plan both looking ahead to Crystal Palace against Tottenham, giving us their views. And on the back of that, we are going to give you our prediction. The Opposition View. Hi, it's Jack Pierce from Five Year Plan, ahead of Palace versus Spurs uh, next Sunday in the last game of the season. It's credit to Roy Hodgson's rigidity that I can probably shed a light on the likely Palace lineup even before we've played our penultimate fixture against Wolves. Um, it'll be a 4 3 3 with um, Vicente Huaita in goal. Uh, one of our better performers of the season. In front of him will be a, a back four with Joel Ward starting at right back, uh, Scott Dan and Mamadou Saka at centre-half, and Tyreek Mitchell at left back. Uh, Mitchell um, has made uh, two Premier League appearances uh, at the time of recording against Leicester and 
uh, Manchester United, um, but with Patrick Van Aanholt's injury ending season, it's likely that youth will be given a chance, uh, similar to the chance that Aaron Wambasaka had a couple of seasons ago when injuries forced Roy Hodgson's hand. Uh, it's pleasing for Palace fans, given um, youth haven't really had much of a chance this season. Um, so it, it is pleasing to end the season seeing um, a member of the, the youth squad getting a chance in the Premier League. Um, in the midfield, it'll be a three-man midfield with Luka Milovijevic likely to be at the base of the midfield with uh, James MacArthur and um, one of James McCarthy or Cheku Koyate completing the trio. Um, I guess Hodgson will match up um, against Spurs' midfield, so um, he'll he'll make a decision as to whether it'll be McCarthy or, or Koyate, but he has been very loyal to both Milovijevic and MacArthur um, this season, so it's likely that those two will certainly start. And then up top, it will be um, a trio of Wilfred Zaha, Jordan Ayew and Andros Townsend. Um, Hodgson really has no option there in that Christian Benteke has been ruled out for the last three games of the season due to the red card he picked up after the full-time whistle at Aston Villa a couple of weeks ago. So those three will start with Ayew likely to start centrally with Wilf on the left and Townsend coming in from the right um, against Manchester United last time out. They um, did interchange, particularly Zaha and Ayew. So it's um it is possible that Wilf will also come in centrally and have a go at um at your centre halves. Uh, he had some success against United doing this and and perhaps should have won a penalty um when running at Lindelof in the uh, at the end of the first half before United scored, but I won't go into into VAR. Um in terms of uh, tactics, Hodgson is is renowned for keeping it very tight and his team selection would suggest that that will um, continue to the end of the season. Um, performances since uh, restart um, have not have not been great. They have shown some glimmers in recent matches against Chelsea and, and United, but um, it's quite possible, depending the result against Wolves, that we'll go into the fixture against Spurs with seven defeats on the bounce, um, which is not a, uh, an ideal way to end the season, albeit a... A, uh, a rather a disjointed season um, so the Palace fans will be hoping that we do end the season with one or two decent performances and, and hopefully one or two decent results um, but in terms of a prediction I would uh, I would say the form book certainly favours Spurs but um, we've ended the season well in the last two campaigns that we've ended the season at, with games at Selhurst we've we've won both of those so um, here's hoping to a Palace win but uh, to be honest I think most Palace fans are just looking for the season to win now <laughs> The Opposition View. My name is Mike and I am from the Palace podcast, Back of the Nest. And you wanted me to say a few words about Palace ahead of our game. It's a little bit difficult because we're the Monday game this week, so we've still got Wolves before you guys. On the other hand, we've lost six on the bounce. So we beat Bournemouth first game back after lockdown and have been pretty much absolute toilet ever since so um, I think I could, honestly a lot of Palace fans including a lot of us on the podcast probably can see us going the last eight games of the season without a point you know we've made some teams that are in pretty bad form look absolutely amazing so we've lost 2-0 to Villa recently I know they're fighting for their lives but um, you know it was uh, depressing the only silver lining was it kept Watford in the mix um, and they don't tend to be our favourite team in the world and you know we've made Leicester look good as well um, they beat us 3-0 and at the time of me recording this you're giving them a spanking so 
I would I would say that um, you, you haven't got too much to fear about Palace at the moment. You tend to beat us um, in the league. I think our last two victories against you have both been in the FA Cup. I was just looking back at the results, and we, we haven't we haven't even scored against you in the league um, in in four and a half years now. So I don't see us doing amazing things. Uh, you never know. Though. The last game of the season can be a bit can bring up some weird results. I know we we scored five against Bournemouth last game last season. Yeah, the general feeling around the club at the moment, Hodgson tends to be the main talking point. He's stuck to, vehemently stuck to a team of really ageing players, stuck to the sort of 13 and 14 that he really enjoys without playing any of the youth, any of our under 23 graduates, bar a few minutes for um, our defender, our left-back, Tyrick Mitchell, who might well feature against you because Patrick Van Arnholt is injured uh, for the rest of the season. But to be honest, I can still see him putting one of his favourite players in. You know, he's been known to put Jairo Riedeveld in, who was bought as a midfielder, stroke central defender in at left-back. Or he's even put James MacArthur in at left-back before, ahead of Tyrick Mitchell. Um, We've got a, a young, promising winger, number 10 sort of hybrid called Brandon Pierrick as well I'd love to see him play a few minutes against you being as we haven't really got anything to play for but um, I would, I could probably see us just sticking to the front three that we'll probably have against Wolves tomorrow which is Jordan Ayew Wilfred Zaha and Andros Townsend who obviously used to play for you guys Christian Benteke is, has, isn't going to play for the rest of the season because he got a stupid red card uh, I think in the Villa game so yeah, I mean, it's going to be an, it's going to be an aging squad. You know, there's been times recently where Zaha's been our youngest player and he's coming up for his 28th birthday. I think Palace will have trouble keeping up with with Spurs, and, and honestly, I can see it going a similar way to what it looks like the, the Leicester game is at the moment. Um, so I don't think you've got too much to to worry about. It could be could be the three points that you need to to make sure you finish above um, Sheffield United, which. From a very jealous perspective, I kind of like to see because um, this is our seventh season plugging away in the Premier League, and we finished between tenth and fifteenth every season. Um, you know, we're destined to do that again. Looks like we're going to finish fourteenth, so it would be nice to see Sheffield United not manage to get into Europe on their first attempt. And yeah, uh, as for predictions, um, you know, I usually go. 1-0 Spurs with a 86 minute song goal or something but um, honestly I think you'd have to be playing pretty badly um, to not score a couple against us I'm going to be optimistic I'm going to go 3-1 Spurs and I'll be happy enough with that and we can rebuild in the transfer window The Opposition View Hello and welcome back to the final segment of The Last Word on Spurs. Now, I lied, we are looking ahead to Crystal Palace, but first we have to discuss of the Amazon footage leaked over the weekend. Now, if you haven't seen that footage over the weekend, I'm sure there are videos somewhere on social media that are floating about. You can see this kind of 45-second footage where Mourinho, um, I'm not going to try and use the most explicit that he did, but he wants the players to play more like a bunch of Cs. Um, He feels that, you know, for this group of players, they are too nice and they need to be just a little bit more harder. And like I say, he refers to them, please play like a bunch of Cs. I mean, James, we'll come round to you because... You're in an industry where you've been used to seeing footage being leaked. And what did you make of it, James? Because obviously there's rumours going around that maybe it was purposely leaked um, by, you know, the the show behind this. 
what, what was your reaction when you saw that? And a lot of people seemed to warm to Mourinho a lot more when they saw that 45-second clip. How did you see it from your perspective? I'm a, 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 in a kind of editorial leadership position at the moment in motorsport, but I previously ran Goal.com. Um, yeah, that, that didn't surprise me that at all. And you know, <laughs> if anyone thinks that they didn't do that on purpose, there's no way that would ever get out because you know this production company would want to be working with Amazon in the future and there's absolutely no way that any of the people working there would would leak it it's well would would do it behind the companies but i think everyone knew about it but they obviously there's no way they could put that out on any official channels so it's the best way of using it and you know if i was in their position i'd have done exactly the same thing um make it makes it absolutely compelling to watch i mean you know, I watched quite a lot of you know Netflix and Amazon during lockdown, but this <laughs> this past year at Spurs has been an absolute uh, well, it's been a roller coaster. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it. In terms of in terms of the clip and what I thought of Mourinho, I mean it's the least surprising thing I've I've seen. I mean that's that's exactly you know you know I, I I've tried to be kind of balanced, but I think my main issue with Mourinho is that he is that word that he used. And you know, and that's that's his thing, right? You know, he is. No, he is. I mean, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I'm not a very nice bloke, and you know, it's clear that he's not. You know, the way he treated Eva Canero and all that sort of thing. But that's how he creates winning teams. Yeah, yeah. So and um, yeah, and and you know, I, I think there's a more than a grain of truth to to that about Spurs. You know, and and as actually as a club, we need to be more ruthless. You know, even if you look at the comments from Trippier about Dembele, probably if we'd have forgotten about the 12 million and kept him for the Champions League run we might have won it so yeah I think he's right Mourinho's right and it, but it was very funny and obviously it's going to make a lot more people watch the Amazon documentary mm, I mean you couldn't make it up could you if Amazon could choose to record a season of Tottenham I mean they've got the best footage they could ever ask for. I mean, there's been so much that has happened this season I mean Rich I'm just intrigued to kind of get your thoughts on that clip because again like I say, the, the, the promo that actually went out from Amazon, that was 20 seconds, and that absolutely blew up online. And then you saw this kind of clip that, again, apparently leaked, as we understand, this clip as we've seen Mourinho. Really, that speech he gave to the players. I mean, Ericsson looked quite embarrassed. And obviously, we saw Ericsson move on to Inter Milan in the January window. I mean, we saw actually backup keeper Alfie Whiteman. He could be seen chuckling in the background to that. What did you make of it from your perspective, Rich, when you saw that? Yeah, uh, as a as a performance athlete, imagining like my a coach of mine dropping C bombs <laughs> like that for for something really productive. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it would be ta- taken. I, I I think going back to what you what you said about being ruthless, it's it's important to have that buy in and to have the players to buy in. So that that was for, probably that 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 motivational talk was probably pivotal to the players that he was keeping. Who was going to buy into his ethos around, you need to be with me, or if you're not, there's the door. I think that's that's that was the message there. And um, being that obviously the season that has been, it's been, been a little bit shambolic. And um, to have that as a little bit of a, a teaser has definitely given... Amazon and Netflix are a great audience and unfortunately a lot of my Arsenal friends are, are like chuckling to themselves to actually watch that but for me I think it's um, it's an insight into the man that's hopefully going to take us forwards and 
some people aren't going to like him. Ruthless is something that you need to have. As a again, back to the being a performance athlete. Unless you've got that ruthless streak, mm. you're not going to be a winner. And we want them to be winners, surely. Yeah, we do. We do. Spot on. I, I agree. And it's one of those things again, Jamie. That when you watch that clip, many fans would have warmed to him so much more because if there's one thing that we've always been saying about this Spurs team for so many years, that you know, they're not they're not tough enough. You know, they're not hard-nosed, they're not ruthless and what I will say again is when the, with the link to Pochettino um, we saw I think the Spurs side collect as many bookings as they've ever done in the Premier League in that game against the Battle of the Bridge with Chelsea and I'm not sitting here saying that under Pochettino he never had that but you do for under Mourinho back to what James says that he likes being the pantomime villain, he likes being nasty when you saw mm. that clip for you Jamie, how did you come away from that feeling? Well, look, I mean, it's. I think a lot of us have, have wanted to say to those group of players what exactly what he said um, for a long time, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I, look, I think that, that that's one thing that Spurs really have missed. I think that we are, we just aren't ruthless enough. And I think that, you know, you look at Jose Mourinho and what he's done throughout his career and the guy he is, you know, he's a guy that's won so many trophies and, and that's kind of the opposite of what Spurs have done. And maybe, you know, under Pochettino, we kind of missed that, that winner's mentality, that, um, that kind of that edge that you need to be able to go and and have that advantage in a in a final because that's something that you know in those semi-finals and the finals we just didn't really have that kind of that that ruthlessness to go and win those sort of games and you know you just hope now that under Mourinho he can kind of come in and change that mentality you know it's difficult to expect a manager like Pochettino to come in and change that mentality when he's at such an early stage of his career but but for Mourinho. You know, he's a guy that's proven himself. You know, his, his words carry a lot of weight. Um, and, and you just hope that he is that guy that can come and change that, that, that kind of that weakness that we have at the club and that, that mentality of, of not being able to win trophies, of always losing the semi-final or in the final. And you just hope that he's the guy that can come and change it. But yeah, I mean, certainly that clip has, uh, you know, he's done very good for, for, for Amazon. You know, I'm sure a lot of people will be very excited to, to go and watch it now. Um, and yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I mean, you just hope that, you know, Spurs now give them that kind of that real um, happy sort of ending. I mean, obviously, it's been a very difficult season in Europa League is very underwhelming from what from what we've kind of experienced. But, you know, let's face it, under the circumstances, you know, if we were to get into Europe and, and where Jose Mourinho was when we started, I still think that that would still be a, a relatively um, good achievement for Spurs this season. Yeah, uh, we are going to join... Well, I say we are going to be back later in the week to look at Crystal Palace in a bit more detail. So with that being the case, we're going to stick it purely just on to predictions for now ahead of that Crystal Palace game. Jamie, I'm going to start with you. Prediction ahead of Crystal Palace to come next week, our final game of the season. Yeah, look, obviously today was, was a massive confidence boost, you know, to go and beat a side like Leicester. I mean, in fairness to Leicester, you know, to have the sort of players, you know, the Sanchez. Um, uh, Ricardo Pereira, no Ben Chilwell. So to kind of have all those sort of players, it was always going to be slightly difficult for them. But, you know, they're a side that still went and beat Sheffield United um, in their previous outing. So they, they are a strong team. So it's given me a lot of confidence um, for this game. I do think it will be a resounding win. Um, I, don't, I think that Palace are kind of in that position where they've not got a lot to play for. Um, so I'm going to go for a 3-0 Spurs win again. 
A 3 0 Spurs win again from Jamie. See, this is the confidence this Spurs side is bringing to him. And another clean sheet. This is what Spurs are doing at the moment. Rich, let's come round to you. I want to get your prediction, but also ask you, Rich. I mean, listen, for anyone listening that don't know out there, Richard is a double Paralympic 200 metre gold medalist, marathon record holder, ran 40 marathons. I've won a bit. <laughs> <laughs> ran 40 marathons in 40 days. I mean, Rich, I've got to ask you firstly, prediction, but I mean, tell us some of the events you've got coming up at the moment for you, training wise. Yeah, so obviously uh, in lockdown, it's quite tough at the moment. So um, competitive sport, exactly the same as a lot of competitive sports at the moment. So just getting back into training, uh, we've got a um, qualifying event for the Olympic athletes on the 4th and 5th of September in Manchester. So hopefully I'll be uh, guesting at that event, doing my my favourite event, which is 200 metres. And... um, Yes, apart from that, I'll be obviously in my, um, getting ready for the Paralympics next year, hopefully. But uh, regards the uh, Crystal Palace game, we're looking around 2-0. I think it's really important that we finish off the season on the positive, and I really think we can uh, do a two-zip on Crystal Palace. Fantastic. There you go. Now, we know Crystal Palace form-wise, they've won 11 drawn nine and lost 16, 14th in the Premier League at the moment. They're obviously due to play again this coming week on the Monday. So that's why we're going to be coming back and bringing you another show later in the week to kind of see where things are in terms of the Europa League race, where Crystal Palace stand and overall for Tottenham, what a win and a defeat would mean for Tottenham. So ahead of that, James, let's get your prediction. What do you think the result's going to be against Crystal Palace on the last day? Cheers, Ricky, for, for following that. <laughs> Paralympics. Jesus, well, I've, run, I've run about 10 marathons and I feel really inadequate. But oh, uh, <laughs> what, what, what an absolute legend, eh? Um, I know, right? Yeah, brilliant. Any, any marathons uh, coming up at all? I mean, James, seems to feel for the throw them in. <laughs> I, I don't really want to throw them in, to be honest. No, I had a triathlon coming up, but that's not happening now. So I'm going to get back on the cake. Um, I love yeah, I mean, <laughs> Palace, have lost, Palace have lost their last six before this Wolves game that's happening uh on Monday, so um, yeah, we should we should go there and not Dr. Tottenham, though. James, on the back uh, of that, you could have made that any more better like that. They've won, they've lost their last six, and Tottenham are coming soon. Yeah, I mean they've lost they they lost to United two 0 Villa two 0 They've lost to Leicester three 0 I'm I'm going to I'll go two 0 Okay, fantastic two 0 I'm also going to go with two one Tottenham at the moment. Two one Tottenham. I'm back later in the week. I could change my mind depending on team news and where we stand. But I think it's been a great show. Listen, the most important thing is Spurs keep on winning. There'll always be debate in terms of the style of football, the manager. But I think what we can all agree is whoever you support, we all support Tottenham. That's the most important thing. Regardless of who the players are, the manager is, we all want to see Tottenham do well. And they've won again, which is the most important thing. So, Jamie, pleasure to have you back on the last word on Spurs. Always great, Jay. Been, I feel like, Jay, it's been our longest season. Do you not feel like that? It's been the most longest My season word. for us to record here. It, it has. You know, there has been some really difficult shows this season. Yeah, um, you know, Reviewing so many of those um, abject performances. But, you know, it is brilliant to be discussing back-to-back. You know, cons- you know so many wins at the moment. Yeah. Um, performances are certainly getting better. So, yeah, a lot easier to talk today and, uh, yeah, really happy with the, the result today. Fantastic. Brilliant. And to our two I say regulars, really, on, in terms of come back on this show a couple of times now, James, been an absolute pleasure having you on the last word on Spurs. And I think you'll give people food for thought in terms of the style debate because it's one of those that will keep rumbling on, James, won't it? Let's be honest about it. It will, yeah. You know, but um, 
there, there's been real there's been real progress off over the last two or three games and yep. I'm trying to be positive I want us to do well I want us to play good football and hopefully next season we can put these patches into into a full game and and we'll start being a, f- a force to be reckoned with Amen fingers crossed been a pleasure to have you on thank you again for coming on James Thanks, really really enjoyed it and finally Mr Richard Whitehead MBE Rich thank you for coming on absolute pleasure having you all about partnerships as you say yeah, no, any time. And, and James, PMA, mate. PMA, positive <laughs> mental attitude. Beating the Arsenal at the end of the season and a couple of back-to-back wins. Great win against uh, Leicester today. Let's make it a positive uh, result at the end of the season against Crystal Palace. Totally cool. I'm, going, I'm going for a run. You've got me. I'm, I'm done there. I've got the PMA. Awesome. Get in there. PMA, just don't mention FA Cup final. We'll be all right. No one mentioned FA Cup final. PMA 4-1. We'll keep it as that. Been an absolute pleasure having the guys on. We are back later in the week, looking a bit more in detail at Crystal Palace, Europa League battle, what the season finishes like for Tottenham. Thank you as always, and come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.